and we are going. All right, and welcome back. This is the Shock Talk Innovators podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dave Cunningham, my good friend John Peterson as well, co-hosting with me. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. We're excited to have you here and really excited to get to use the Groover Labs equipment. Um, it's just a phenomenal building to be in in general. It, this is where you're housed out of, correct, for Flint Hills Group? That's correct. Flint Hills Group has actually been one of the very first tenants in this building. Uh, we're passionate about growing the tech ecosystem in the Wichita region, and Groover Labs is a key part of that. Awesome. And there's a lot to unpack as to even what Groover Labs is, what is Flint Hills Group. But I always like to start off by going back to understand the person a little bit better. So, I mean, what was your life like in high school and in college? What were some of your interests? And, and just paint us a picture in general. So I've always been kind of a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was one of those kids that liked to take apart broken toasters and, and appliances and try to put them back together. I was always fascinated with that stuff. And, and so keep in mind, you know, you're asking a question about a time frame when there was no email, there was no internet, there was no Facebook. So this is long before uh, a lot of that existed, but there was still electronics, there was still cool, geeky stuff like that. So always loved that kind of stuff, always loved how do things work, been fascinated with it. And um, I was big into uh, photography, uh, big into uh, sports that don't involve uh too much eye coordination, so <laughs> wrestling, running, things like that. So that was kind of my childhood growing up. Was very curious how things worked. And did you grow up in Kansas? What made you choose Wichita State? So I am actually a fourth generation Wichita. Wow, I don't know wow. how many people can claim that title. So yeah, my my father, my grandfather, and my great grandfather are all buried in the exact same cemetery off of Central. Wow. I'm sorry, off of a hillside, uh, the old hillside cemetery over there. So our family's been in Wichita forever. Um, my dad had the very first carpet and drapery store in the city of Wichita, Cunningham Carpet and Drapery. Wow. So there's some things we've had in the city that uh, were first. Um, and for me, uh, Wichita State was really where I probably always thought of going. It was kind of weird. I never even went to other universities to look because I, my original passion uh, was actually aviation. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a bad left eye. And if that left eye had been a 2020 eye, I'd probably be a pilot right now. Wow. wow. So I, I love planes flying. I uh, went to Wichita State actually to get an aeronautical engineering degree. And after a couple of weeks of being there, I realized what that <laughs> curriculum was going to look like. And I thought, uh oh, I, I need to have a different plan because I don't know if I can get through this. And of course, they're a highly recognized uh, aviation school right. uh, for aeronautical engineering. So I kind of struggled um, what to do. At one point, I was a graphic arts design <laughs> major for one semester, learned I'm horrible with colors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have an A in that class, but that was the one thing I learned about that. And then finally, one, one semester, I took basically one of everything I'd be interested in, sociology, uh, accounting, economics, computer science, uh, marketing, and I really love computer science. So this is back in the 80s, um, still pre-internet, and uh, started really pursuing per computer science. And, I, and I'll put a plug in here for people that are interested in that, but scared they don't have what it takes to get through it. So it involves a lot of math, and I am horrible at math. <laughs> I stink at math. I think I had to take pre-calc, calc one, calc two, stats, differential equations, and linear algebra, and I stink at math. But um, honestly, if there's something you're passionate about, 
you can get through it. I don't have the world's most phenomenal grades in those classes, but um, I probably work four times harder than any student in those classes. And I have a computer science degree from WSU as a result. So I encourage people, I beg people to don't, don't walk away from tech as a degree because you're scared of the science or the math. Right. And you shouldn't get so caught up on, on the grades. That's something I've always struggled with, but there's this really inspiring quote that I've heard and it goes something like C's get degrees. (laughs) this is true i I have a high degree of tenacity right i may not be i'm you don't have to be the smartest person in the room but in the company i own i can hire the smartest people Mm -hmm. right it's it's about surrounding people it's about surrounding yourself with the right people and i think that's kind of a skill that you yourself have as you've mentioned that you may not be the most technical person most skilled person but you have the idea and it's about finding the right people to help you build that idea and build that vision out that's right. I'm I'm highly collaborative. I uh, greatly appreciate other talented people that complement my weaknesses. So there's a lot of people that don't like to admit they have weaknesses and they think they can do it all. I think that's actually impossible. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty open about that. Very, I think I'm fairly humble and um, I am very collaborative and love working with other people at better things than I am. Yeah, it, that, that really is such an important aspect of entrepreneurship is in the beginning you're scrambling trying to do everything yourself but you know being humble enough to realize that you have those weaknesses and find people to complement that uh, i'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that was like with starting your company and then maybe get a little bit more on that side as well sure so i graduated back in 86 1986 i was the dinosaurs were long gone by then it <laughs> seems like a long time ago um and actually i had never started a company for th- over 30 years Wow. Wow. So that's another little, um, uh, hopefully a push for people to think about, I don't know if I should start a company. I don't know what, how to do that. So I worked for 30 years in, in, you know, spanning Boeing, pizza corporate offices, Cargill, NetApp. I ran an aerospace company for a while. Um, it seems like I'm missing one or two things. I ran, I was involved <laughs> with a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up a lot of knowledge in different industries. And then I, um, as I got older and I was making really good money, I realized if I want to keep making this kind of um, income, I'm probably, if, if something happens and I don't have a job anymore, I'm probably going to have to move somewhere else or I'm going to have to create my own company. And I considered both those options. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, what I ended up doing was creating my own company and something I had expertise at, which is software development. So uh, Flint Hills Group is the name of my company. It's a corporation. It's been around for over five years now. We've been profitable since day one, and we had we grew fifty percent last year, and we're on path to grow probably close to that much this year. Wow, that 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 is really cool that you're profitable from day one. Not a lot of people can say that. We really, <laughs> I structured it such that it was really hard to lose money, <laughs> and a lot of that had to do with honestly talking to a lot of smart people. All the people that I had met over thirty years. I went out and talked to anyone that would listen to me and, and, and give me input. And I took all those ideas and put together a concept that is now Flint Hills Group. The, the power of a good network, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, right and there. I will tell you, um, I was really frustrated with how hard it was to create a company. It was unbelievably maddening that this, shit, that this was this hard. Um, and I thought about all the other people out there that could be creating companies if they just had a little help a little mentorship and guidance. And I swore if I ever had a chance to do something in that area, I would do that. And uh, 
there's a, you know, a new opportunity with a campfire right. starting tech startups that that is one of the sole reasons why I, why I started that effort to do that. And that's something else I'd like to hit on. But before we do, I want to kind of come full circle. Flint Hills Group, you're based, your office is out of Groover Labs. Is the entire, where's the team located and how large is the team now? Yep. Good question. So from the very beginning, long before COVID made it cool to work virtually and remote, <laughs> we were virtual and remote. Cost over, effective. Over, absolutely. That was the reason why we were. Um, when the last company I'd worked for was NetApp, uh, we had teams in Wichita. We had teams in Boulder. We had teams that we worked with in India. We worked. We were actually working working virtually to some degree across cross functional teams for years. We already felt pretty comfortable doing that. So, based off of a fairly large layoff there, I cherry picked the best of the best that were available, and then we created a virtual company. People didn't actually respect us a lot of times because they said, "If you don't have a building, you're not a real company." Yeah, and I used to always say you don't need a building to create software. All that's going to do is add cost for the customer. So if we care about the customer, why would we add cost to them? Right. So we're all cloud-based. We're, we're completely virtual. It's 40 software developers in seven states. Wow. It's It didn't start out 40. It started out with 16. Uh, but they're all U.S. people. There's no one in South America. There's no one in Russia or Ukraine, or U- in Ukraine um, or in Philippines. Most companies use people overseas. Yep. Causes a lot of challenges with culture and language and quality. Um, so everyone we have, they're you know they're they're degreed people. A number of them are from Wichita State. Um, they, the least experienced person I have on my team is eight years with a computer science degree. Wow. So you have a team of forty like that. Right. And they can do things other companies simply cannot do. Wow. And you mentioned having forty employees. I mean, what is the plan? Because as you scale, you know more money, more problems. There's a lot of other headaches to run into. Or is the strategic move for you to keep it at this smaller 40-person base because you guys can reach pretty well, pretty well everywhere you need to reach right now? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So um, something I learned across all those 30 years of working for different companies is that every time a company doubles in size, all of its, most, most of its tools, its processes, what worked, break. Mm-hmm. So when you go from one million a year to two, you break when you go mm-hmm. from two to four, you break. And so we have had to reinvent our processes and tools a couple times over. And we see that we're actually happy about that because that's a sign that we're growing mm-hmm. and we've outgrown the old tools. So we literally every, every year we have a strategic planning effort. Many of those things are scaling our processes or our capabilities. And right now this won't shock anyone that works in the software industry the biggest um, limitation is finding good talent. There is a huge demand for software development now. Probably, uh, other than the year 2000 demand for people, uh, this is probably the highest I've ever seen in my 35-year career. Wow. Well, and I know that a lot of software developers, some of them are being pulled in different directions. What is your take on no-code solutions? Um, I think it is good for people that have no tech knowledge. They can jump in and they can learn things. They can build their own prototypes. It's functioning. Um, I think if, if you, you will hit a point where you will, you'll outgrow that capability. So I think it's a good thing to do to prove out a business idea or a concept. And if you find, oh my gosh, this is not supporting what we need anymore, you should celebrate that because that means it's probably taken off and now it's time to, right. to replace that with some custom code. Right. 
I know you had a couple questions too, John. Yeah, we already talked about campfire a little bit and the environment here at Wichita. Um, so, you know, what do you see in the Wichita environment that's kind of helped Flint Hills Group grow? Um, is there anything in the Wichita Group? Would you move anywhere else? Do you think? Or? So that's a that's an interesting question because I'll <clears throat> I'll make a, a, a statement that might be a little shocking. When I started Flint Hills Group over five years ago. What I found in this region was people were not very supportive of new companies in this area starting. In fact, there were efforts from some groups and organizations to not allow new companies to grow. Interesting. Because you were a threat. Mm -hmm. So they actually would try to buy you out, try to convince you not to start up. And it was the most maddening thing I'd ever seen. I thought, this is insane. Mm -hmm. We, as a city, Trying to grow tech as an industry, that is the that is the opposite of what you want to be doing. Right. So I actually banded myself with a number of people that took the opposite approach. Um, I mean, Jake Wayman, you may know Jake, uh, Jason Taves, he's mm. the offices in Groover Labs. We started some things that called Shift ICT, trying to actually grow technology and uh, information in the city. We actually started um, a technology trade association for the state of Kansas called flagship Kansas.tech with the help of a number of other people as board members and started growing things uh, in Groover. I put Groover labs in that, that brought people together to grow things instead of trying to cancel each other out. I saw that many leaders in the tech industry saw that the piece of the pie they were going after was maybe Wichita or this area so there was a there was a concept of a, a lack of opportunity. So it's like I need to take someone out, or I'm we're not going to grow. And I told people, look, the pie is not Wichita, it's not Kansas, it's the whole U.S. of the world. Right, right. Stop limiting what you think the pie is, and let's work together to grow this for all of us and make grow this as an industry. I would say today it is completely different. Yeah, and the the push for people to band together. I've never seen anything like it. The last two years have been phenomenal. And I only see it continuing to grow. Groover Labs is an awesome place because of mm -hmm. that. Wichita State is awesome because of what they foster. But just the spirit and the passion of people is they're trying to grow things together now. Well, and what people miss, in my opinion, about that limiting belief of, you know, I don't want more competition to enter the market is that, as more competition enters, yeah, sure, the barriers to entry lower and you may lose out on some customers, but as you mentioned, the pie gets larger. It also attracts people from the outside. So you now have angel investors, venture capitalists, other aspiring entrepreneurs either moving to Kansas, moving back to Wichita, or um, relocating here in general, which is good for the Wichita and Kansas economy as a whole. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people miss out on that when they're kind of picturing with that limiting belief. I used to, I've probably hired, I'm not kidding you, hundreds of engineers in my career. And I would find, I would have someone sold on the job, sold on the pay, sold on their manager. But they would say, if something goes wrong with this job, I don't know where else I could work. And I realized we had all of these tech companies around here that were perfectly valid tech companies, but we didn't know how to market ourselves and show ourselves collectively. That's different now. Um, and people that used to try to stamp each other out uh, business-wise, they realized, look, if we actually exist together, we can recruit more people. Like you say, more people that graduate from WSU will stay here and not go to Kansas City or Denver or Dallas. And this is probably one of the cheapest, nice cities you're going to ever find in the Midwest. You get so much here for so much less than living elsewhere. And the great thing is, 
you get so much more that, hey, if you want to go see Seattle or New York or L.A., you can hop on a plane and see it for a week and come back and still have more money than those people living there. Right. If you ever want to escape this beautiful Wichita weather that we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think it was snowing last week or two weeks ago, and then it was 80 degrees yesterday, so that's just beautiful. That's right. If you don't like it, just wait a day or two, and it'll change. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, well, John, do you have any other questions or we can start to wrap up? Um, just about the networking. So I've only been here for roughly two months now. Um, what do you think, do you have any advice for maybe young entrepreneurs or somebody that wants to get networked in this space? What do you think um, are avenues for people to do that? I do think it's important you put yourself in the middle of an ecosystem. So there's a lot of people I know that love just staying at home, working in their house and, you know, existing that way usually introverts <laughs> that like that. But in reality, opportunities come to you when you least expect it, when you put yourself in the middle of an ecosystem. And that can be anything, right? So for tech, I really think Groover Labs is a great place for that. We, we've gotten jobs and work all the time, not because we went looking for it, but because someone learned we were here and they said, hey, we hear you do software development. If you're in, um, you know, aircraft, for example, there, you know, you should be certainly in the middle of WSU or some areas where all those companies are together. You're going to run into projects and work that you didn't know. So put yourself in the middle of an ecosystem where good collisions happen and opportunities happen simply because you've put a lot of talented people together. Don't go hide yourself away in in your apartment or your your room because you're going to miss out on all those opportunities. We, uh, we just came from a meeting with Rob Gerlach from Tech Transfer and a couple other people. And one of the things he was talking about was applied learning opportunities. And you mentioned a word that I was going to bring up, and that's the collision points. It's like how many collision points can you have in an ecosystem for something to happen or something like an opportunity to come up? And I think that's almost formulaic in terms of like if you put yourself in that situation, something's bound to occur. It is. And it's hard, too, because you have to bring people in to have the collisions. So I will tell you, I mean, I've been in Groover Labs since they opened and they had really bad timing opening like a month or two before a global 100 year pandemic started. Right. Um, I walked into these offices for months when it was a ghost town in yep. here because yeah. people were scared to death to go out. Um, it is totally different now. And it's simply because you have to have reason to pull people together, which means you have to lead the effort to bring in conferences and bring in classrooms. And that might, there was times where that seems scary, but I said, you know, if you're going to grow something, you need to take the lead on that, be innovative. I mean, we, we did social distancing, we did mass, but we didn't avoid it. And I think that really paid off in spades. It's, you know, this place is really just growing organically now, almost without doing anything. So, right. And, not to pivot too much, but there's another side of you, Dave, that I want to hit on. You mentioned Rob Gerlock that just sprung a thought in my head. You were his cross-country coach, I believe, when he was in high school. And if my count is correct, you've done 33 marathons and ultra marathons, correct? I have. I have known Rob since he was in high school. Uh, his daughter, I'm sorry, my daughter and Rob are in the same class together. Yep. Uh, great guy. And I am so thankful. So Rob went to St. Louis yep. uh, for a long time. Which is where we're from. Which right. is where you're from too. Yep. So thankfully, both you, both of you and Rob came back to Wichita. <laughs> um, we appreciate that greatly. And yeah, I uh, so I always had a bucket list item to run a marathon. Yep. I just thought it'd be awesome to complete one. And uh, I did when I was working at what was now NetApp. I, a bunch of us joined together, trained for one, ran mm-hmm. it. 
Um, and then I said, my gosh, what, what do I do after this? It was, <laughs> it was insane. In fact, I got a little bit of post-race depression. Yeah. And then I realized I could just put another race out there every couple months. And I did that for like 16 straight years where I ran a spring fall marathon for 16 years. You were hooked. Snuck in a couple of ultras, a couple of triathlons, uh, did the Pikes Peak marathon, all that kind of crazy stuff. I can't actually do that now. My body won't let me. <laughs> but I did sneak in 33 marathons and some triathlons and some other stuff. What were those ultras like? Because those are the real deal. Like a marathon is hard. A 5K is hard. A half marathon is hard. But an ultra marathon. I did the, so an ultra is anything over the regular marathon distance. And I did a 50K race, which is 32, 33 miles. Uh, the Flat Rock 50K, which is in Independence, Kansas, up up and down rocky cliffs Ooh, where all the rocks oh move gosh. constantly. And you have to look down all the time or you'll wipe out into the rocks. That's mentally exhausting. It was it was a seven and a half hour race. Um, it was 88 degrees that day. <laughs> it was the hottest day and gosh knows how long. And at the end, when I finished, um, my feet were literally just completely bloody inside <laughs> my socks. I remember pulling them off and putting them underneath water. I think I screamed like a little girl. It was so bad. <laughs> it's like I poured alcohol all over my guts. It was horrible. But that was pretty brutal race. What do you do during those races when it gets really difficult and you start questioning if you want to quit? Like, what is that trigger for you to keep in it? So this is an interesting thing about me that I observed after all these years is most people I know that have run marathons um, can tell you a lot of stories about where they had a bad day yep. and they said, I'm not putting myself through this anymore. And they, they dropped out of the race yep. or they knew they were not going to hit their goal. And they said, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to kill myself. Never once did I ever not finish a race that I started. Impressive. And wow. I apply that to life. I mean, I do that with everything that I do. So there were some horrible times. I'm talking horrible experiences I put my body through. I would probably be hospitalized <laughs> if I tried to do some of those <laughs> things now. But um, I just don't give up. Yeah. I'm ten I am tenacious. Like I'm, you not, said. I'm not the fastest runner. I used to say I'm a non-athlete doing athletic things. But I don't give up. Right. That, that brings a full circle to computer science. You know, you're not math-minded, but you don't give up. I don't. I guess I've always been that way. That is really cool to hear. Like, <laughs> it's it, inspirational. It really it is. Really is. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people feel like they don't fit in a lane, and so they beat themselves up thinking, you know, I'm not meant to be anywhere in these, and they feel kind of misplaced. But it, you're just an example of, well, find an area. If it doesn't stick right away, push through it, push through it you'll break through and the other side is much better. I'm a big cheerleader for people to achieve the goals they don't think they can achieve. And and I tell them these stories about myself. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like <laughs> I never qualified for the Boston Marathon. <laughs> I never was. Uh, I uh, So here's a crazy thing. 33 marathons. And in high school, I was a track dropout and cross-country dropout because my legs couldn't handle it. Wow. I got shin splints so bad. Interesting. So yeah. you absolutely can achieve things you think are impossible. That's crazy. And I know we're running up on time here a little bit, so I'd like to wrap up. Maybe we'll do a part two in the future. But, um, Dave, where can people find you in Flint Hills online if they want to connect, reach out, learn more? And Campfire, anything else you like to plug in general? Sure, yeah. So you can find uh, – I'll plug three things. You can find Flint Hills Groups, www.flinthillsgroup.com. Uh, or you can Google for that. You'll find us. And we have a wealth of, pod, of uh, blog articles out there on different technologies that are worth looking at. 
Uh, Groover Labs uh, with Campfire. If you go to GrooverLabs.org, Campfire, you can sign up for that at any time. Underneath, I think it's the resources link on the right-hand side, there's a sign-up sheet that you can get in there. You can see what the course is like. Mm-hmm. Um, we're already taking sign-ups for the fall because we did sell out the spring session. Yep. And then the other thing is if you are in a tech company or you're an individual that supports tech, um, then the Nonprofit Trade Association for Technology, which is flagshipkansas.tech, I encourage people to join that. And basically, we're trying to encourage the growth of the tech industry in Kansas. So www.flagshipkansas.tech. Awesome. And then my final question to wrap up is, Dave, looking back at your journey and everything you've been through, what is one piece of advice you would have offered to your younger self? Wow, that's a good one. I think um, to, at an earlier age, have have found mentors, really sought out mentors that I asked questions of and leveraged to get to the next stage in life. I don't think I realized the value of mentors then. I just did, I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I feel I'm a mentor to others and I beg people to, to find mentors and to grow themselves into things and, and, and companies to grow that they didn't think were even possible before. Well, you, you definitely are to John and I, and we appreciate everything you've done. And thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely.